What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Deborah Hainkamp, who is the founder of Mama Medicine. Deborah facilitates medicine readings out of her space in Soho, New York. They're ceremonies that integrate over 17 years of her experience and wisdom in the healing arts from a variety of traditions. These medicine reading ceremonies finish with a lovely ritual bath with flowers and crystals and herbs. Deborah's work is just totally craveable and deep and healing and beautiful. Um, you should absolutely check her out. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Deborah is a businesswoman, has such an interesting and impressive story. She started with a physical space in New York when she was quite young, and then she ended up making the very hard decision to shut that business down so that she could really shift in the direction that felt more aligned with her and her work, which is what she has today with Mama Medicine. Have a listen to our interview, and then you're definitely going to want to check out Deborah on Instagram at Mama Medicine. And speaking of Instagram, are we connected on Instagram? So I'm starting to pour a lot more love into Instagram and even play with the stories, which is really fun. And I'd love to connect with you over there to chat about the week's podcast and, you know, just share what I'm up to and all my travels. I've got a load of traveling coming up in October, including to Atlanta for She Podcast Live and also to Bangkok for another conference. So I can share all of that with you over on Instagram. You can connect with me at Wellpreneur, of course, right? <laughs> Not hard to guess what that is, at Wellpreneur on Instagram. And as always, you can get all the links to everything I'm going to talk about with Deborah in the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com. But for now, let's enjoy this conversation with Deborah Hankamp of Mama Medicine. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start off and just see if you could explain, like, how do you say what it is that you do? How do you explain what you do? I guide people to be their own healers through facilitating a modality that I created called medicine readings. And it's a one-on-one -on -one experience, a group experience, and a retreat experience. Awesome. So I have, you've been on a lot of podcasts recently, um, and you've shared lots about your story there. So I'm going to try to go in a few different ways. So I'll link out to a couple other interviews if people want to hear like details on all your backstory. I'm curious. So take us back. Like I know you, you started a yoga studio um, in New York and you were really young when you did that, which is like really awesome that you were able to create this awesome studio. And then you decided to shut it down. And I'm curious about is like, I mean, that's so brave to shut it down. Like I can't even imagine all the feelings that were going on then. And I know some people, you know, listening might have 
have gone way down the road with a project or a business and it doesn't fit anymore. And so can you share a little bit about that experience? Well, if I'm being totally honest, I think that that was one of the hardest times in my life. Like it, that business, I poured my heart and soul into like, you know, right before I did a whole like gut renovation on the space. And right before we opened, I was like putting up sheetrock and like painting walls and like sanding floors and, you know, getting everything like so perfect. Well, when the whole uh, space was, was gutted, I gave the space like this big herb bath, this big ritual bath. And <laughs> like the the people who worked there, I really put a lot into each of them and in, into each of their careers, making sure that they had what they needed. And the people who came just really created this beautiful, beautiful community. I mean... I felt like, yes, I was holding that space and facilitating it, but I also really got to be a part of something very beautiful. And, you know, the the connections that were made at that space are still around today. And, you know, that business, in a way, it was like really before its time because I was doing like moon ceremonies and like, fire rituals and things like that uh, back in 2007. So people like didn't necessarily know what they were getting into with the healing center part of it. Like the yoga would bring people in and then they would start to experience the healing. And I don't know, it was just, it was really, really special. And so coming to the decision that I needed to close it was extremely painful, but it was like a perfect storm of events that made it so incredibly apparent that I had to close it. And I mean, I mourned the space for a really long time. And even like I had my daughter, but I was closing the business like right in my pregnancy with her. And even that it was like this massive joy of being able to be a mother and also like mourning that change and that transition. But I look back on that time right now and it's like, man, at 19 years old, I started saving up to, I knew I wanted to open that business. And then five years later at 24, I opened that business and I dealt with like insurance and like the New York city government for having a business at 24 years old. So like I look back on it now and I feel very proud, but it was not an easy decision to close it down. It was very, very painful. Mm. And how did you, like once you had closed it down, like did you feel like you would ever want to start another business? Like were you just done and you wanted to do something else? Or like what was that transition like to come out the other side and realize, oh no, like there's these things called medicine readings and and I want to do these. And then now you have a new space. So what was that like? Well, with closing my brick and mortar business, I got everything sort of stripped away that wasn't mine. So for example, like holding space for 
you know, yoga teachers and massage therapists and acupuncturists and all of that, that felt like something I was taking on as a responsibility, but also something I was kind of hiding under. And yoga in general, like the way the yoga world was changing, I felt a little bit like I was ready to just have yoga as my personal practice and not necessarily need to teach it. So that went away. And then what was left still was like people coming to my apartment for healing sessions and spiritual counseling. And I was like, that's so interesting. Like, I'm not doing anything to promote this. People are just reaching out to me because they want to come see me for for healing sessions and spiritual counseling. And so, um, you know, I really realized that like that was was my thing. And when I got the download for medicine readings and the exact formula for it and how it's meant to be facilitated, it also came in with like keeping it very, very, very simple. Like just, you can take it wherever you go, you know, don't need to have like a lot of things because it's in me. And I just started like renting spaces here and there around the city and in Los Angeles. And then it felt like it was time to, um, to have like a home to have somewhere to land into with my work. And so I opened my new space in Soho with opening the new space. I think that I got like this sort of cyclical thing happening with thinking that I needed to like bring a lot of different elements into it to be able to take care of the overhead of having a space again in New York city. And I, I didn't need those things. So I had to go through like a whole simplifying process, even in the past two years. And now again, I'm in that space in Soho and it's just me. I mean, I think I'm moving that space soon, but I don't know too much about what is to come with it. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about simplifying in life and business, because that's something that I really see woven throughout your brand. Like your website feels light and spacious and simple. And now you just have these, like you do medicine readings. You don't have like 30,000 things you offer, right? You do the sessions and then the retreats. Um, has that been a really intentional choice to try to keep it simple? Yes. that's That was like a big, big thing that I... I decided many years ago, like six years ago when I when I got the download for medicine readings that it needed to be just very simple. And I have to challenge myself with that too sometimes because I think like as a creative person, which you know, most entrepreneurs are just like incredibly creative people, you get caught on these winds of like inspiration and creativity. And this feeling of like, add this in, add that in, add this in, that would be cool, you know? (laughs) And I think that for me, it's remembering, like, keep it simple and also like stay very true to myself. So anything that gets added in, it's like, does this really feel like it will help facilitate people realizing that they are their own healers? Then yes, I can put that out. And if in any way it's like disempowering at all, then 
I have to avoid it. So what would be disempowering teaching is an example of that. Like I played around with the idea of having an apprenticeship and I just have such a big no on that right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why does that feel disempowering? I think because I want first for people to understand that like all of these techniques, all of these tools that we have, they're amazing, right? But they're all outside of us. And I want to have first people to realize their gifts, their tools, their techniques that they have always had within them. And that has been passed down to them from generation to generation and how their guides and guardians are always communicating with them. They just might not speak, you know, English or whatever language they speak. (laughs) And so I feel like right now I don't see really clearly how I could offer an apprenticeship without giving tools outside of the self. And so I just get a really big no on it. And good for you for sticking with that. I think that's, I mean, because so many people think, oh, well, once you, you know, you just need to start teaching because that's how your business scales or something. You know, everyone says, oh, you you know, that's just such a typical thing you hear. But um, I mean, that's awesome just to honor your intuition about that. I wanted to dig into that about intuition a little bit because I'm super curious about like how you got you got these downloads, these this inner guidance about what you needed to do with your business and what it needed to become. Are there any simple practices or anything you can share for listeners about how they might start to tap into their inner guidance? Or is that go into the stuff you don't want to do? You know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, sure. Like, I think we are nature, right? So like our blood is water, our body is earth, our breath is wind, like we are nature. And so I think that when we are feeling a little bit disconnected, it's really important to check to see if you've been outside enough. Because we spend so much time indoors. We spend so much time plugged in. We're like with our phones, we're basically mainstreaming information all the time. And so we're receiving information from outside of ourselves, like constantly throughout the day. And so if you really want to connect to your intuition, all you have to do is put down the phone and just go outside and go for a walk. And the more you you start walking, you start breathing, you start moving, you start connecting to nature, the more you're going to start hearing your intuition or feeling your intuition or seeing your intuition and the more uh, balanced you'll feel as well in terms of having the courage to, to follow what your intuition has to offer you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I could not agree more. Um, I feel like this knowing, and I don't know just about intuition, but like, I feel like there's this deep connection humans have with the planet, with the seasons, with what's going on around us, with reading nature, and it's in our bones, and we've just forgotten it. And really by just going outside, I've noticed that in myself. The more time I spend outside, I become so much more plugged in to what's actually going on in 
the world, like the world, like nature, <laughs> you know, the real world, not the digital world. Um, and it's there. We all know it. It's just, we've kind of, we can't hear it because it's too yeah. noisy in our heads. So what kind of practices do you have with, because do you still live in New York? Like, how do you get out into nature? What do you do? I see nature everywhere here. I know it's like, we don't have a lot of earth to touch, but we have a lot of sky and the sky here is always doing a lot of amazing things. There's like, you know, when you get to see the moon peeking out at you between the buildings and things like that, it's like, oh, wow, we're here. And really, mm-hmm. though, in New York City, the nature is the people. You know, you we a lot of times are trying to go about our day, like looking down, not looking at anyone. But I really encourage people who live in cities to like look up and the more sensitive you are, the better it is. Like if you're, you know, an empathic, sensitive person and you look around and you think this is all too much for me, it's like, no, no, no. You're here because you can handle this. You're here because it's helping you to grow more compassionate to people. It's not too much for you. It's a lot. And yes, you're sensitive, but it's not too much for you. Like look at people, talk to people, connect with people. Like the people are the nature. You get to learn so much that way. Mm. Do you feel like um, the natural cycles, so either like the wheel of the year, the seasons or the moon cycle affects how you work and the rhythms of your work? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that um, even if you are not in a place that experiences seasons, you will feel like ebbs and flows with the way that the year goes on. And you will feel like even if you have a very gentle spring and a very gentle autumn and things like that, you will feel like shifts. So you know, summer, it is a time of like, kind of rest and restoration, as well as winter. When it's the beginning of the summer, we can still be pretty like active, moving a lot of things. And when it's the beginning of the winter, we can still be pretty active and moving a lot of things. But when winter really starts to set in or summer really starts to set in, it is a time to kind of like slow down and get really reflective. And it's so interesting that in summer, often we get eclipsed season and in winter we get eclipses as well. So I think it's very interesting the way that that shows up because eclipses are things that slow us down. And also, you know, Mercury goes into retrograde a lot in December and a lot in, um, well, in April too, but a lot in in July as well. And that is a time to just like slow down, reflect on things, like put everything in order, kind of get ready, like take care of the body, things like that. And then when you're moving into mm-hmm. autumn, it's a time of cleansing. So it's a time to like put ideas that you've had out into the world, get things going, get things moving. Like it's a time of release. So very much out with the old and in with the new, and it's an active time. And spring is 
I think actually like the most challenging season for people, especially when it's like very early spring, right around the spring equinox, because there's an equal balance of light and dark in the world. So I actually notice in spring in terms of business, that's the time when people are making kind of like compromised positions, uh, decisions. They're making like decisions that are coming from maybe a lack of self-worth or maybe they're feeling like they have to do something and so they're doing it, but it's not necessarily in their truth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've always, I've noticed with myself, like it's, you know, I just slow down so much in the winter. And, but that's the time that like in the Western calendar, we're like, oh, it's the new year. We should get going and like start these new things. Yeah. But it's just energetically totally off. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. I'm curious about ancestors and ancestry. And um, I heard you talk on another podcast about, I guess, just this feeling like you have to work hard. Work has to be hard. You have to be working all the time. Like if it's not hard work, it doesn't count. That's coming down your ancestral line. Um, can you talk a bit about that and like how you how you've uncovered that and worked with it? Oh, things like that. You know, I just got back from Ireland. Um, and I, my dad's side of the family is very, very Irish. Actually, I just did 23andMe and realized I was 70% Irish, which I thought wasn't possible, but I guess it's coming in from other places too. But, you know, with my dad's side of the family, my great grandparents, they came over during the potato famine. So they we're totally starving. And uh, my great grandfather was the oldest of his family. So he decided to come to New York to work, to make a living, to send money back to his family. And my great grandmother actually came over as um, a slave and she worked her way out of that and like broke free of that. Somehow I don't have her story. And they ended up meeting in Hartford, Connecticut. And my and they were both from the same place in Ireland, which is really interesting, too, I thought. But my great grandfather, he ended up working himself to death at a gun factory in Hartford. And they just literally threw his body to the side. And my grandfather had to go was just a kid 15 years old or 16 years old he had to go pick up his father's body and bring it home to do the funeral my grandfather followed very much in the same pattern of essentially working himself to death like he worked till the day he died and overworked and you know didn't get time to spend with his family his kids didn't get time to spend with his grandkids cuz he was just like working 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 my father followed the same suit and i really noticed for myself with my relationship to work like you know i had a job since i was 13 or 14 like my first job that i could get was that people would hire me that young was a hostess at a Chinese food restaurant in the town that I grew up in. And I took it very seriously. I took every shift I possibly could, you know, and I've really just been 
working nonstop my whole life. And I think I found the balance with it where it's not uh, work. No longer it's work to feel good. It no longer it's work because if you don't work, everybody's going to die. You're going to lose a house. Everyone's going to starve. Everyone's going to get sick. You're not going to be able to help them. It's like work because I really truly enjoy and love to work, but work does not come first in my life. My family and especially my daughter come first in my life. And, you know, the, the stigma around like working moms is really complicated. I think like as a mother in general, people receive so much judgment just from the minute they start showing in pregnancy. But for me, I think it's really good for my daughter to see that I love the work that I do, to have her be involved as much as possible in the work that I do and to show her like hard work does pay off, but it isn't everything. Like you don't, you also have to live life too. You also have to play and have fun and not be completely stressed out all the time too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's something that is really different for many of us than from our ancestors because they, I mean, I'm really interested in tracing my female ancestors and trying to see what kind of patterns come from those lines. And for so many of them, they just, their lives were so incredibly hard and they didn't have the ability to speak like we do and, you know, put our, like, create businesses or do it or have like, do things for fun. You know, it was all about hard work. And so I think it's so interesting to look at those patterns you might see in yourself, like this feeling like you have to work so hard all the time and realize it's not just your thing you're getting over. Like it's coming, it's in your cells, you know, it's like you're really having to break a really yeah. strong pattern. And we're, I mean, we're very fortunate now because of the work that our ancestors put in. And I think that that's why it's just so extremely important to honor them in like, I think that, you know, in the spiritual world, we get caught up a lot in like story lines from our ancestors. Like, Oh, my ancestor did this. My ancestor did that. They weren't a good person or they were a wonderful person, but it's like, no matter like what they did, life was really, really challenging for them. Like they were fighting to stay alive. So they probably were not dealing with a lot of like the emotional balancing and healing and things like that. They probably didn't really have the opportunity to even think about that before they died, usually at young ages, you know? So I think we have to Mm -hmm. also just like keep remembering to really honor them and say, thank you. Because we, despite what their story is, we are here today because of the hard work that they put in. Absolutely. And they're in our cells. Like I've been doing, um, I did the uh-huh. maternal DNA test for like, and it's actually like the same exact DNA down the female line for like 10,000 years or so. I mean, it's nuts. It's like that same DNA is in ourselves that were in our great, 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 great grandmothers. Like it's just, yeah, oh, it's really cool. Anyway, uh, I mean, okay, so I didn't know you went to Ireland, but I'm super curious about that. Did you, was it the first time you've been? And like, did you feel any sort of anything when you were there? Yes, it was the first time 
I went and I went to Cork um, with my daughter and with a couple of my friends who also had ancestry that linked back into Ireland, but in the north. And we actually went to the port where my ancestors left from. And we read all about that. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that there was actually like genocide that happened there in Ireland and that the English would get money for any man, woman or child that they would kill. And that there was a whole like Island across from that port town where Irish prisoners would go, but they would go and just like, kind of let them die. Like I didn't realize all of that, you know, I thought it was just like hard times because the crops went bad. I didn't realize like the crops going bad was like a, that was a planned thing. Um, and the, you know, the alcohol too being a really big thing and understanding where that all came from, because apparently if they were drunk, then they were easier to, to control and kind of like annihilate and, I don't know. It was really, it was really heartbreaking, actually. Like the day that we went there, I couldn't talk for the whole day after. (laughs) And then we, we went around to all the different stone circles, even more ancient than, you know, I could trace, but knowing that that ancestry and that history is there and you know, at all the different stone circles, there was this massive feeling of being like held and blessed and, you know, just getting to go to those places and just say, thank you. You know, that was really, Mm -hmm. it was really powerful. It was a really powerful journey. So I'm living in London now, but I'm American and I've had that same experience visiting stone circles here. It's like, there's just such you just feel, I don't know, it's like this really cool Mm -hmm. hugging energy or something. Um, And I know you trained as a shaman back in in Peru for eight years, I think it was, back and forth. Um, It's really cool when you go to places like that because you think, wow, that's like our ancestors who had those types of practices. Oh, yeah. There was one that I went to, one of the stone circles where they were definitely using psychedelic plants. Like I saw so many psychedelic plants <laughs> around where the stone circle was. And there was this like pool, like this kind of uh, ritual bath aspect of it for looking into the water and creating visions. It was amazing. So we've had these practices of ceremony all over the world. And it's even if you don't know where your ancestors are from going to stone circles or like ancient, ancient forests. Uh, it can really remind us kind of all where we come from. Um, I know we're starting to run out of time, but I'm just curious, did you happen to like connect with any plants while you were over there or like learn about any of the kind of indigenous plants in, in Ireland or see any? I I didn't, um, I didn't get the chance to like really learn about anything new, but the amount of Rowan, uh, mountain ash trees mm. was really, that was really, really special. And for me in Ireland, it was really the trees, like the old, old, like cypress trees and cedar trees and uh, rowan trees that really held a lot of medicine. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard about that with the Celtic, like in the Celtic tradition, it's all about the trees, I think, which I don't know a ton about that yet, but cool. Um, so what did you, if you had one thing you took away kind of from that trip or experience, what would it be? Just to really have gratitude, you know, like you may have heard in other podcasts I've done, I had a really challenging upbringing and I, but I've since after, you know, I'm 36 now, so have made peace with my parents, but I didn't, I made peace with them, but I didn't actually like truly have gratitude for them until going to Ireland and kind of just like feeling into what my ancestors went through for me to be here. And it really made me look at my parents and understand what they must have gone through with their parents and all of that. And it made me have like a really strong sense of gratitude. Okay. Just a couple of little quick questions right at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, What does success mean to you? Happiness. Awesome. Great answer. Um, Where are you? Where's your curiosity calling you now? Where are you feeling pulled? Oh, so many places. I think travel wise, I would like to go back to Asia and spend more time in Asia, especially Japan and Bhutan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And like, what's the most exciting thing that's coming up for you in the next few months to tell everybody about? Hmm. I don't know that it's in the next few months. It's in a little bit longer than that, but I have written a book. Um, it's called Ritual Baths, and it is a guide to be your own healer. It's due to be out in March, so it's a little bit further away, but I'm really, really excited about it. It feels like my second baby. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait for that to come out. We'll definitely have to remind people about that in March, March 2020. That's so cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for being here. Tell people where they can learn more about you, book a medicine reading, all that good stuff. So you can follow me on Instagram at Mama Medicine. And I put out a lot of where I'm going and what I'm doing there. And you can check out my website, mamamedicine.nyc to book a medicine reading. And they're available via Skype as well as in person. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. You can find all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And if we're not yet connected on Instagram, I would love to connect with you over there. You can find me at Wellpreneur. I'm pouring a lot more love into Instagram these days, and I'm starting to play around with stories. And I would love to take you behind the scenes and share some of my travels with you over the coming weeks and months. So connect with me on Instagram. Come say hi say you heard about the Instagram through the podcast and um, yeah, I'll be really excited. So hope to see you over there. Okay. Have a fantastic week and I will see you back here very soon with our next episode. Mm